Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. The two things, most common things that married couples fight about are money and sex. And in both cases, it's frequently about the quantity. And it's usually not about having too much, but too little. And many of my clients yearn for more intimacy and connection in their marriage. And while this isn't exclusively about sex, it is one of the ways two people can engage in a deeply personal way. And if you are in a sexless marriage, it is really quite painful. And talking to your partner about your sex life is also probably pretty hard. But that's what's on tap for today. I'm joined by fellow marriage counselor, Carol Cullen, to help you tackle this, what's becoming a really pervasive problem. So Carol, thanks for coming back on the show and tackling this very personal but very important topic. Thank you for having me. I'm really so glad to be here to talk about this issue because like you said, this is a really big issue. And we need to teach couples how to talk about this in a way that's productive and health, you know, helpful and healthy for their relationship. So thank you again for having me. So this all came about because you wrote a blog post, and I, I read your stuff, so yay. <laughs> Answered, how do I talk to my wife about our sexless marriage? And you know, so first, can you define what is meant by a sexless marriage and what other problems it can cause? Yeah, and if you're okay, I want to even back up just a little bit and talk briefly about like the benefits of sex, right? Like, right. we should start there. Sex is a good thing, right? It's it's good for your body. It's good for your health. It's good for your mind. And there are so many benefits to sex that. I, I want couples to understand that this is not just about pleasing your partner or the quantity, but it's about reducing stress. It helps you to mm-hmm. relax. Sex is a great way to, um, you know, relax and let go of the stress of a long day or working with the kids all day, doing chores. I mean, stress is a great. Uh, sex is a great way to, you know, bust stress. And right. another is it's a great way to get a workout. Did you know that 30 minutes of sex burns around 200 calories? If that's not motivation, I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say, so I don't know. Is that, that, that sounds like that might be pretty energetic sex, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Something to aspire to, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it also reduces the risk of heart disease. It boosts, boosts cognitive functioning and also boosts your immune system, which is so important. And then let's uh-huh. not even mention the most important thing is it creates a connection and a bond with your partner by releasing endorphins and the hormone oxytocin, which aids in bonding you with your partner and feelings of connectedness. So, like, just let's start there with, like, there's so many positive things about uh-huh. sex. Couples really struggle in this area. So they're not just missing yes, out on the do. connection with partner, but they're missing out on a lot of these health benefits, too. So I just wanted to mention that. Um, before we dive in. So, so, so yeah, glad you did. 
Yeah, look, what is a sexless marriage? So some people define it as having sex less than uh, 10 times per year. So less than once a month is how people define um, a sexless marriage. Um, uh-huh. And what I think is, you know, the bottom line is that if one partner is unhappy with the quantity of sex or the quality of sex in the relationship, that's really what's important, not so much the quantity, but right. if one person unhappy, that's really going to be the discussion on the table in a marriage. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And, and, and I agree that whether it's about sex or anything else, if one person is unhappy with something in the relationship, it needs to be addressed. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm sure you're with me here with couples, right? Like one partner says, well, that's not a problem for me. And I'm like, well, if it's a problem for one of you, it's a problem for both of you. And that means it's exactly. really important to talk about this. Exactly. So I like to focus on with couples, not the amount of sex that they're having, but maybe some of the barriers and then just the quality of sex and, um, and then how to really talk about it, which we'll get into when we talk about maybe some ways to solve this problem in your marriage. Well, and I think that's an important thing because, you know, talking about sex, I mean, it's, and, and I always tell my clients, it's like, please don't talk about sex while you're having sex, unless it's, oh, that feels really good, do more, or, ow, that hurts, stop. You know, but, you know, because it's, because sex is it's so personal, and it's such a hard topic to mm-hmm. address. And, you know, I mean, and, and I know that a lot of times, you know, people, you know, as soon as they know that's the, that's the topic, that everybody gets you know, really scared and, and really defensive. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, it's just going to go off the rails, especially if, you know, one person is feeling judged or, you know, complained right. about, you know, it, it, it's just, so what, so what is the best way to start a conversation with your partner? Right. Yeah. So that is, this hard for some couples because, you know, Americans in general, as a opposed to the rest of the world, have a really hard time talking about sex, which really surprises me because I feel like they're very open about talking about lots of things. Um, Mm -hmm. But when it comes to sex and partners talking about sex, Americans have a really hard time. And so the first thing is that we want to encourage these conversations, like you said, Leslie, outside of the bedroom and Mm -hmm. set up a nice, calm environment, a and, you know, not during the middle of a heated argument and certainly not in the middle of sex, for sure. Mm-hmm. And approach your partner in a position of openness and honesty and be prepared to really listen well. I would stay away from blaming or shaming or accusing your partner for doing something wrong or not meeting your needs, but really coming to them with an open heart and sharing what your needs are. Sometimes I recommend to clients um, that maybe they should write down their thoughts first, and that gives you an Mm -hmm. opportunity to reflect. I think that's super helpful to reflect on what you're writing, edit it a little bit, and then kind of practice what you want to say so that you can come to your your partner in an open way without blaming or shaming because you don't want to start them off feeling criticized because that's going to only lead to defensiveness. So I think that's a good way to start. so I do have a question about that because um, a lot of times, you know, and, and we're going to get to this in a little bit, but a lot of times the, the relationship becomes sexless over time. It doesn't necessarily start out that way, although unfortunately with one of my clients it did. 
Um, mm-hmm. But to be able to have these conversations and, you know, I, it, it, it's sort of like, um, I, you know, I, I jokingly say the, the five worst words in the English language are, honey, we need to talk. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. Because, because, you know, if, so it's, I get the idea of picking a time, but but you know you're going to have a really hard conversation. You know this is going to be really mm-hmm. challenging, no matter no matter how kind or you know using I statements and using all of the tools. No matter what people do, it's really hard. Yeah, it can be really hard, especially if you're coming to your partner and you're saying, "Here's something that I need that." we haven't really talked about before and I don't know how to bring Uh this up to you and I don't know how you're going to take it and I don't want you to feel criticized, but I'm not getting my needs met here. Right. That can Uh be really hard. And so I think what's helpful here is that couples recognize that starting this conversation out of nowhere with not, um, you know, working on the foundation of your relationship is going to be even harder. So working Uh on the foundation, relationship, meaning the friendship, learning how to turn towards one another, um, how to be there for each other, how to have more intimate conversation. And you may, it may take building up to this conversation um, before you're ready to have this conversation is, is maybe something that would be helpful. I would also say, Leslie, and you might agree with me, like if this is really a difficult thing for you to bring up with your partner and it's critical that you have this conversation soon because you feel like you're on the brink reach out to a therapist that is trained in sex therapy. Let them help you because they are trained in how to have these conversations. It's never too early to reach out for that kind of support. They're trained to teach you how to have these conversations and then to offer um, techniques, strategies, um, skills that can help you to build this part of your relationship. So if it comes to the point where you feel like you just can't do it on your own, reach out for assistance. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, I mean, because sometimes it actually makes it easier to have somebody else kind of directing the conversation so it doesn't feel like you against me. It's like, okay, we're in this together and somebody's trying to help us move forward as opposed to how it can, because again, as professionals, we, we're, we're really good at going, okay, let's try to, let's see if we can rephrase that and and kind of do that. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, we'll keep those conversations from escalating into negativity, but really foster the support, active listening, and being honest. Absolutely. So this is Happily Ever After is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm talking about how to address the amount of sex in your marriage with fellow marriage counselor Carol Cullen. Now, libido ebbs and flows over time for most people and in most marriages. And if you're both fine with the amount of sex and intimacy going on, fantastic. But if one of you isn't, as we're talking about, it can do serious damage to your relationship. So if you'd like some help increasing the intimacy and connection in your marriage, I invite you to get in touch and schedule a free Happily Ever After discovery session with me. You can reach me by phone at area code 919-924-0463. Again, that's 919-924-0463. Or you can reach me by email at leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S 
coaching and is in Nancy C is in Charlie.com. And now I want to get back to this conversation about sex in marriage. So Carol, what are some reasons that a marriage might become sexless? Yeah, well, there's, there's a couple of reasons. And, and I, you know, when I'm working with a couple in therapy, the first thing that I want to assess and understand is, are there any medical conditions that may be contributing to this problem that this couple uh-huh. is facing relationship, right? Like, I want to know, is, is one partner struggling with um, maybe some chronic pain or pain during sex that may make it difficult for them? Um, uh-huh. Are there any serious medical conditions that also make it difficult, like maybe an injury or a, a problem with um, back pain or um, some other condition that kind of reduces libido? Um, uh-huh. Maybe hormonal issues that decrease libido? Are they on some kind of medication for depression or anxiety? Um, uh, are they on birth control? Like, so I look at the medical piece and I try to assess whether or not there may be something that's a red flag for me. And then, of course, uh-huh. I refer to their doctor to do a further evaluation medically to kind of confirm or deny whether or not that's the case. But we always start with, is there a medical reason that that maybe preventing this couple from connecting. So I start there because that's right. usually mm-hmm. a big portion of why um, you see couples kind of fall into this pattern of a sexless marriage. The second thing I look at is the environment. Uh, what, what's going on in the family? What's going on in the couple relationship, um, in the household? You know, especially now during this year of COVID and everyone being at home and the children being at home, people are just exhausted. They're exhausted from the work stress. They're exhausted from the pandemic. They're exhausted from parenting and homeschooling. You know, if people are just stressed, tired, exhausted, they're not going to be in the mood. That's going to affect (laughs) their too. And let's not even talk about the fact that you can't get a private moment in your house anymore. (laughs) Right. Yeah. There's always around. Mm Mm-hmm. And then the third thing is I look at the emotional connection of the couple. Do, do this, do this, does this couple feel connected emotionally to each other? Like I talked about earlier, the foundation of the relationship, is it strong? Do they feel like they're good friends to each other? And do they prioritize sex? Because if they don't have a strong emotional connection, this is going to create a barrier in their relationship, and it's going to show itself in their sexual intimacy. Um, the and next thing so I, yeah, I mean, and that's I'm, so important because, I mean, it, you know, and, and I know you're familiar with um, Esther Perel, and sometimes she says, you know, that because there is this comment, you know, there is this idea that if you fix the, you know, fix the issues outside of the bedroom, it will automatically make what's going on inside of the bedroom great. And she says, not always. But, but what you're saying is, is like, you know, if, if there's some challenge in the relationship or even if people are... Mm-hmm you know, living like roommates, you know, because I frequently will ask my clients, well, okay, how much time do you actually spend one-on-one with each other, you know, every day or or every week? And I get varying numbers and, you know, it's like, well, I want to watch this show. So I'm in this room watching my TV show and my partner is somewhere else. And it's like, do you think that might be part of the problem (laughs) that you're just actually not spending any time together? Right. And I often tell couples like that have different schedules or one person stays up late and the other one goes to bed early. I'm like, well, you know, if you were just in the bedroom more time than you're not together, right? Like if you just go to bed at the same time, chances are statistically you will have more sex just because of physical proximity. <laughs> like, right. so, 
factor that in alone, um, and you're probably going to have more sex just because you're both in the bed at the same time with the TV off, probably you're going to have more sex just by factor that in alone. It's going to increase it even 1%. And a lot, of, uh-huh. a lot of times couples are like, oh, yeah, we didn't think about that. Not any increase is good, right? Uh-huh. So just spending time together and building the emotional connection is so important. Um, some other reasons that this may happen is maybe one partner, you know, Leslie, we've talked about this. Maybe one person has a trauma history. Maybe uh-huh. there is some sort of previous trauma in their life that makes them not feel emotionally safe enough with their partner to become vulnerable. And maybe on top of that, there's been some injuries in the relationships, such as infidelity or maybe just some sexual experiences with their partner that have made them feel unsafe. And so that could cause an avoidance um, to having intimacy as well, which, you know, the trauma then would need to be addressed. Yeah, and it's interesting that you bring up trauma because, because, I mean, I think a lot of times people think of, of trauma as actual physical, maybe somebody was sexually abused, maybe they were assaulted, but, but, trauma about not feeling safe with your partner can can be from an emotional traumatic experience growing up it doesn't right. you know so so it's much more pervasive and and um wider than i think a lot of people think when they hear the word trauma Right. Just because a client doesn't come in and tell you I've had, I was physically abused as a child doesn't mean that there was not some emotional trauma of abandonment, neglect, um, not feeling emotionally safe with their parents or in their home environment. That could lead to feeling very um, unsafe and, and not feeling like they can be vulnerable with their partner. And sex is, you have to be very vulnerable in those uh-huh. moments. And they, if they don't feel emotionally safe, that's extremely hard to do. Uh-huh. So. Sometimes it might require some trauma therapy for the individual in order to kind of address some of this um, past existing um, trauma that's kind of showing up now. Or maybe there's been a relational trauma like infidelity in the relationship Uh that doesn't allow them to take with their partner. So lots of things to process there with regard to trauma. It could affect the ability for them to become close in this physical way. Um, a couple more reasons, quick ones, would be maybe not feeling attractive or sexy. Maybe you put on a few pounds, you're not feeling so sexy. Um, maybe not enjoying um, sex with your partner. Maybe it's, you're, you're not really very verbal about what you like or what you want or what you need, and so sex has become not very pleasurable. And maybe uh-huh. one partner doesn't think there's a problem. <laughs> maybe one partner knew <laughs> that there's a problem. We talked about this. And, right. and just giving them information like here's what I need I don't feel like I'm getting what I need is kind of a wake-up call to say wait a minute I had no idea anything was wrong we've never talked about this before so giving them some information so not having a clue about the problem could also create a sexless marriage too so instead of I'm you know this is this is potentially a topic for another show but but is it possible that sometimes pornography can play a role in you know that you know, in a question of either not feeling attractive or not feeling safe. I am so glad you so glad you asked this question because it was on my mind and I didn't know if you wanted to talk about it today, but when we definitely need to talk about this some more, but, mm-hmm. but yes, pornography can, I'll say can, it's not always uh-huh. play a role. And, and if pornography is being used as a way to avoid intimacy with their partner, because maybe they feel rejected by their partner or they feel like their partner is not into what they're into. Um, Maybe there's um, a factor of, you know, 
stress-related. This is a way to re relieve stress, and my partner's not just physically available all the time that I'm feeling stressed, but there's, mm -hmm. a, way, there's a turning away from the partner, and that can, can become addictive, which would lead to this disconnection and this um, lack of initiation of wanting to connect with their partner because it's just frankly, easier to go to turn to pornography. Right. So that's yeah. creative problem, right? So a lot more work to go to your partner and, you know, buy them flowers or make a nice meal or give compliments or spend some time. Like, it's a lot harder to connect when you know, like, here are all the things I need to do in order to have sex with my partner. And here's what I need to do to get pornography. Well, that seems a lot easier. Right, yeah. All I have to do is go turn on my computer. That's pretty much all. Yeah, right. that, that's pretty much it. And, and, yeah. and I'm never rejected by my computer. Um, right, and so the cycle of blame that goes along with pornography too, like guilt and blame and mm -hmm. shame, and, and it sometimes can become very unhealthy. Now, I, I'm not completely against pornography. I think if it can be used to bring a couple closer, they watch together, they're into the same things, and it enhances their sex life, then that's wonderful. It's just that at times it can become very um, poorly used um, uh, as a way of separating couples emotionally. Mm -hmm. There's a this, this that can be created. So yeah, this is definitely a bigger topic for another day, but that can create yeah. problems in the relationship for sure. So, all right. So we've gotten our couples to be able to sit and have a conversation and one person is expressing their desire for more intimacy and connection. So now what do couples do? How, how, can, how can they actually create a better sex life? Okay, I've got, I've got a couple of tips here I think that might be helpful. I've got um, like six or seven here, so let's run through them. So okay. I would say the, the first thing would be start building your friendship because what research mm -hmm. has shown us and what we know is that couples that have a strong friendship and can talk about sex with each other comfortably have a better sex life. So... Start living your life more with your partner. The things that maybe you used to do on your own, start doing them together. Maybe work out together, cook dinner together, go for walks together. Try to create a more intertwined, interconnected life together with your partner. And you're going to, you know, create more emotional intimacy this way, and that will definitely reflect your physical intimacy. And that is the foundation of a good sex life is friendship. We know that mm -hmm. and being able to talk about sex. So that's super important. Makes sense I would to say me. This, yeah, it makes sense to me too. So I would say the second tip would be stop worrying about the quantity of sex that you're having in your relationship and focus more on dating your partner again. Go back to when you first started dating. You probably had lots of sex in the beginning. Well, that's because in the beginning there was all this effort to date your partner. You maybe mm -hmm. bought some flowers and went out to dinner, you asked a lot of questions to get to know them, and you didn't just do it for sex. You did it because you really were into this person and wanted to know them, and you focused on them, and you didn't just focus on the sex piece. That was great, but it wasn't just about them. And when your partner feels safe with you, um, you they will have a better intimate sexual relationship with you. So don't fixate on the sex. Focus on the dating and getting to know your partner in this more a romantic way where you're letting them know that you are tuned into them. So I would say that's uh -huh. super important. Okay, tip number three. Some people disagree with me, but I, I'm going to say that this is an absolute. <laughs> okay? Schedule sex. Ah, yes. Couples, <laughs> 
do it. <laughs> Scheduling sex frequently is so important and prioritizing quality time with your partner like massages and cuddling and just maybe laying in the living room naked watching a movie if you ever get the house alone to yourself. But it's so important <laughs> to schedule sex. Our busy lives take us away from really connecting with our partner. But if we schedule this type of intimate time together, um, it's bound to happen. Now, I agree you can't only have scheduled sex. But if right. you just rely on both being in the moment at the same time and actually having the time, it's going to be less frequent. So it's okay to have little boosters in between. Well, and schedules. I like that because, because, and by the way, there is so much more to an intimate physical relationship than merely intercourse. There's all kinds of things. So if you're scheduling time for sex, it doesn't necessarily mean, okay, it's Tuesday night, you know what that means. But, um, That's right. you know, but, but it's actual time where you can, you're, you're basically setting aside time on your calendar to be in the same place at the same time with the intention of being physically involved with each other. And I think people can define, you know, that it doesn't have to be the same thing every week, but it's, it's basically we're making this a priority. That's right. Prioritize sex in your relationship. That's the key. Mm -hmm. Have a strong friendship, be able to talk about sex with your partner and do it frequently, and then prioritize sex and intimate time with your partner. Those are three key qualities of couples that have um, happy, successful sex lives. And really the number, I think it's one, if couples that have sex, report having sex one time a week, report being very happy in their marriage. So it's mm -hmm. not that you have to three times a week. Couples that have sex three or, you know, more than one time a week don't report being any happier than the couples that have sex one time a week. It's really the friendship that defines the um, level of happiness and equates with um, having a good, happy, successful sex life. So that's really important to focus on. Stop worrying about the number and start worrying about the quality, the intimacy, the emotional connection, and, and making it a priority in your life by talking about it and scheduling it. So that's really important okay. too. Great. So, so you said you had a couple of more tips. <clears throat> yep. One, another tip. I think it's very important to educate yourself about the different, I, I don't know, maybe you find this too, Leslie, that people are not really educated about their bodies and how their bodies work and how their partner's body is different than your body and how it mm -hmm. works differently body and maybe even um, educated about how your own body works so I find that it is incredibly important for couples to educate themselves mm -hmm. I often recommend and I don't know if you've read this one by Emily Nagoski the book come as you are where yes. she talks about yeah it's a wonderful book so it talks about the dual process model what hits the gas and what hits the brake on your sexual drive, learning what those things are. And then it talks about having a conversation with your partner to learn about what their gas and their brake pedal are. I think it's a fantastic well, and it, book. And it's so interesting that you talk about that because, you know, it, it, you, and we were talking about the influence of hormones and a woman's cycle and what she likes at one point in her cycle, she may not like at another point. And, and, you know, and sometimes I think guys just get like so confused because like, well, this worked last time. Why doesn't it work this time? And it's like, and it's, con and it's, con you know, it's confusing for her because, you know, but again, if you, if we understand and get in touch with our own bodies, it's, it's not a silver bullet, but it certainly makes it a lot easier. 
Definitely. It's another tool in the toolbox that can help you to have a better sex life, right? Understanding your body is just another way to understand what's happening between the two of you and another way to talk about it with each other, right? Because it's, mm-hmm. it's a little easier to say to your partner, hey, uh, that right there, that's hitting my brake rather than hitting mm-hmm. my gas. Let me tell you what's going to hit the gas pedal for me. And it makes mm-hmm. it feel a little bit to have that conversation, I think. So I really recommend that book to all couples and to read it together or to read it separately and then highlight parts of the book that make sense for them and then share the book. Lots of ways to start conversations. Yeah. All right. Tips number five and six. Okay. I I don't know how you're going to feel about this one, but role playing. Have some fun. Spice it up Mm. a little bit. You're with your partner. There's nothing to be ashamed of. You know, go and do play out your wildest fantasy just to make things more exciting. And also the use of sex toys can be extremely helpful, helpful with couples, especially if one partner is struggling with being able to enjoy sex and doesn't really um, understand their body as much. Sex toys can mm-hmm. help. Um, Uh, couples to learn the parts of their body that are more sensitive, the parts of their body that you receive more pleasure, they can learn more about each other that way by, you know, using some of these instruments to help them out. So role play and maybe implementing some sex toys, or if you really want to, you could do both together and make it really exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. And just it always comes back to, you know, the last thing is really, If you're struggling and you can't figure this out on your own, please, please, please talk to a marriage and sex expert. You know, it's like if if something's going haywire, it's easier to fix it earlier rather than let a whole bunch of time and resentment and hurt go by and then try to fix it. That's right. We know that couples get into couples therapy six years too late. So if couples Mm -hmm. would just start couples therapy earlier, there's a lot more that we can do to help and turn things around. Well, and and I'm so glad that you mentioned that because, you know, because this is one of those things where a lot of people think that it's punishment, that they're doing something wrong. And I, and I know that you do this as well as I do that, you know, one of the things is we normalize it. It's like most couples struggle with this at some point in their relationship, right? (laughs) You know, and it's, it's not anything to be ashamed of. It's, to me, when I always tell my, my clients, I said, you are the brave people, the ones who actually call me. You guys are the ones who, you know, are so far ahead because you're not willing to settle for less than what you can have. That's right. You They're know. willing to fight for it. And that's so important. A couple that's willing to fight for their relationship and push through the barriers that they are coming across are the ones that are going to make it. So fight for your relationship. Fight for a better sex life. Fight for better emotional connection. And we're here to help at any point, whether it's right at the beginning where you're first noticing trouble or, you know, where things feel hopeless. We, we're here to help you. And, and I, want, I want people to reach out if they feel that that's really um, where they're at and they can't maybe use some of these tools on their own yet, we're here to help Mm -hmm. with that. And so that's a perfect segue. So please tell people where they can get in contact with you, where they can read your articles, where they can learn more about how to handle this really tough topic. Absolutely. They can find me at www.mytherapistnc.org. So that's mytherapistnc, like North Carolina, dot O-R-G. 
And you can book an appointment on there. There's tons of blog articles that they can read, and they can learn about our therapists online. So, Carol, thanks so much. And what we were talking about today is that knowing how to talk about a problem is the first step in resolving it. And this can be really difficult when the topic is as personal as your sex life. But neither fighting about it nor not talking about it is going to do anything to improve it. Both of those will just undermine the foundation of your marriage. So what can you do differently so that you can truly find a mutually satisfying resolution? So hopefully you've gotten some good ideas today, and I hope you'll keep listening to the show. And until next week, stay loving. Stay loving.